Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Missing in Canada, an ongoing series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Missing in Canada, an ongoing series by the Nighttime Podcast that explores the stories and circumstances of Canadian missing persons cases. In this episode, our story will take us to Penfield, New Brunswick, more specifically to McKay's Blueberries. If you're unfamiliar with McKay's, like I was, it's a small roadside food vendor that sells wild blueberries and blueberry-related products to passing motorists. But their products, as delicious as I imagine they are, aren't why nighttime is taking you there. McKay's Blueberries provides the setting for an important part of tonight's story. On August 18th of 2021, just after 4 p.m., Paul Dowdy, a frail 76-year-old man from the neighboring community of Musquash, walked into the store and bought a blueberry pie and a small cupcake-type treat. The business's security camera shows a very thin elderly man pay the cashier with a bill he pulls from his pocket and walks across the parking lot towards his parked vehicle, pie in hand. Now this otherwise uneventful interaction is the last time Paul Dowdy was seen. And as you can likely imagine, his family is desperate for answers. And very shortly, you're going to hear directly from them. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, I'll be joined by Paul Dowdy's daughter, Cheryl, to discuss the still unexplained disappearance of her 76-year-old father. On August 18th, 76-year-old Paul Dowdy stopped by McKay's Wild Blueberries in Penfield, and as far as we know, no one's seen him since. He was there around 4.30, and he just bought some desserts and left, and we don't know what way he went from there. His granddaughter, now hanging missing persons posters, says this is unlike him, that he doesn't have dementia, and no one knows where he might have gone. And I think I'm just going to put them out everywhere at this point, because... We don't know where he could be. The family thinks he drove alone that Wednesday afternoon from his home in Musquash and could have driven anywhere after. RCMP tell Global News officers across the province are on the lookout. So just to start, Cheryl, why don't you give me a bit of background on you? Like, who are you and where are you from? Maybe tell us a bit about you. Well, I'm from St. John and I'm the only daughter of Paul's. There's four four boys we lost one brother back in 1992 oh. march of 1992 so yeah i'm the youngest and the only girl in the family nice. well tell me a, a, a bit about your family let's start with that so you had the you, as you mentioned there a, a couple brothers you the only daughter what what was your family like and, and where originally is your family from or are you originally from st john well i grew up mostly in laurenville which isn't really too far away from st john probably maybe 
I don't know, 15, 20 minute drive. And I think we, I lived there till I was about 12. And I think that's when we moved to Musquash. So I was around 12 years old then. But I mean, we had a pretty good childhood, you know, outside playing all the, you know, no complaints, a little bit of family drama, but who doesn't have that, right? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it was a, it was a good childhood. Yeah. And like, how would you describe your family uh, as as far as like how you would have spent time in, you know, just like maybe like the kind of people you were in terms of what you valued and whatnot? We were kind of like the neighborhood house. That's where all the kids gathered. Anyone we hung out with all went. We lived in a trailer back then. So, I mean, it wasn't that big. So, I mean, we always had a house full mm -hmm. and we were always outside playing and stuff. And I mean, we lived all around the woods, so always out building camps and that. And my brothers and my father would tinker around with their little toys, ATCs and buggies and mm. you name it. And like I said, there was a little bit of family drama, but nothing out of, you know, my brothers were a little bit of a handful there for a while. Yeah, but... well, you can't spell family without drama. And especially if no, you've got a exactly. couple kids in rural New Brunswick, I'm sure uh, I'm sure drama finds yeah. its way to every family. Well, let, let's talk a, a bit about your dad, where it's like this the story and our conversation is going to surround him. But what, like growing up as, as a kid, what what was his life like? And what, what did he do for a career back when he was working? Dad, he worked at Colson Cove for... Mm quite a bit of his life and I know I, I believe he worked construction for a while but he really enjoyed like he'd buy secondhand cars and stuff fix them up and sell them lawn mowers like he was always always tinkering around like buying and re fixing up reselling okay. that was like his main hobby like he really enjoyed that and back in the day he used to hunt and fish and all that fun stuff. So he was like, was he like a outdoorsman kind of guy? You mentioned you lived in the woods. In, a, in his younger, yeah, in his younger years, as he got older, like, he did go fishing the odd time, but he was, I think he was kind of a little leery when he got up in age, like going out by himself and stuff, right? So that kind of dwindled over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the at the time of your dad's disappearance, which we're, we're going to be talking about, he was he was seventy six. Uh, so I, I only can assume that he wasn't working by by that point. No, but no. What what was like? And he wasn't living with you, I'm sure either. So tell me a bit about his life at, at this point, like seventy six year old Paul Dowdy. Well, it's it's kind of sad, really, because my mom passed away from cancer in August of twenty nineteen, and they okay. were married, I believe, for fifty five years. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, when he lost mom, he was pretty, I mean, that was the love of his life, right? So, I mean, it, it was rough on him, but my brother lived with him for quite a long time up until probably a few weeks or so before he disappeared. But I mean, he, he went to the cemetery, I think every day, every oh. day to fix it up up there and to talk with her. I mean, that was just his thing going up there. And I mean, all things considered, he did okay for losing the love of his life. But I mean, it, he struggled with it. I mean, good days and bad days. Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah. he, he made out all right. I mean, I helped him with what I could bills and stuff like that. And you know, but it, you know, he did okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what would like what would have a, a regular day be like for your dad at this point before his disappearance? Other than visiting your mom's grave, like how did he? How would he have spent his time? Well, he. None of us are big visitors. Like we're all real homebodies, all yeah. of us. And I mean, we weren't big on the visiting thing. Yeah, but we talked like a lot on the phone, especially after my mom died, because mom was like my go to person. Then when mom passed, dad became my daily chat kind of person. But I mean, he always 
he'd go in town to the mall and that and chit chat with the workers and like the different grocery stores and stuff. And he'd mm-hmm. go grab a coffee and sit at a nice park or something. And like, mm-hmm. he just loved chit chat with people. So he'd go anywhere that anybody would talk to him. So that's what he enjoyed. Yeah. In, in general, like um, he's 76. So like his health would be a question. What, what kind of condition and shape was he in like health wise at this point? I mean, he, he was, he had cancer. I'm going to say I'm not good with, timing but i'm gonna say six or seven years ago he ended up having to get an uh i, I believe it was called an ileostomy so he had a, a clostomy bag that he had to wear mm-hmm. um and i mean he was frail i mean you know he he was aging i mean typical you know moodiness uh you know the confusion wasn't too bad a, a little bit from time to time but i didn't feel like it was anything to be completely panicked about by any means mm-hmm. but i mean mm-hmm. generally the clostomy like he hated that that just gave him grief like he just had a hard time looking after it and stuff but i mean mm-hmm. like i said he was a trooper he he fought through all these obstacles so he did did okay all things considered yeah my thought about like the the, the colostomy bag it's something like that i would think would probably impede on his freedom and kind of it yeah. further restrict yep. him and, and the photos that i saw of your dad you, you said frail but he definitely looks like a thin thin guy he is he was probably he'd be lucky i'm gonna say around the 100 pound mark but he'd be lucky if he was that towards towards the end so let's move on now to talking about the the events that that immediately surround his disappearance so starting with this is when did like you mentioned you you weren't always in touch with visiting and whatnot as a family when did your family realize that something was up that he was unaccounted for like how did that how did you learn about this well, I was actually out shopping with my husband and my youngest daughter, and I received a call from my youngest brother, Jamie, mm-hmm. and my father had called him, and he asked Jamie if he was coming in town, if he could pick him up a pie, mm-hmm. and he was mentioning about possibly renting his house out and moving into town, and I don't know, my brother just, you know, it was kind of an odd conversation, but anyway my brother couldn't do anything because he works on a boat so he was out in the middle of the ocean so anyway he called me and pretty much instantly i started calling dad and no answer no answer no answer and this went on like all throughout the day and evening so um if i remember correctly i believe that evening my husband and i took a drive to musquash just to check things out and i mean his car wasn't in the yard the house was locked up but like his sheds and stuff were left open because he was probably tinkering around in the yard, which isn't really super normal for my dad. But if he was in a hurry and just wanted to run down and get his pie and back home, maybe just didn't think to lock everything up. Right. But uh, anyway, we went back home and I, I believe I was probably scheduled to work in the morning. I'm going to say, cause I get up at like quarter to five for work, but it was like kind of a restless night. And I kept calling probably every hour on the hour no answer so I mean eventually you kind of start getting a little sleepy so at some point I had fallen asleep and when I woke up through the night I'm just thinking you know maybe he got home and he knows I have to get up early for work and just didn't dare call me and wake me up so anyway when I get up in the morning I started calling again and of course no no answer because I thought even if his phone died if he's home plug it in whatever right so anyway I if if I worked that day, I didn't go because it was. I think it was like 8:30 in the morning that I called the RCMP and reported reported him missing. So yeah. kind of all evolved or took off from there. 
August 18th of 2021 is when he's last seen. And it's when people read about your dad, often what's mentioned is that his last known whereabouts were, were visiting a sort of roadside blueberry farm yeah. stand. Like you mentioned, he had talked to your brother about wanting a pie. It sounds like your the last thing your dad is known to have done is went to this roadside kind of stand and bought yes. a blueberry pie. Yep. I think I've, I'm now I'm, I'm trying to keep all these events straight. So just bear mm -hmm. with me because I believe sure. August 20th, I believe staff from McKay's blueberry stand reached out to the RCMP to confirm that he had been there. Mm -hmm. And the RCMP went there to talk with the staff and that. But at that time, I don't think RCMP asked if they had any form of surveillance cameras or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. On the 23rd, someone from the blueberry stand reached out to my daughter and sent her a picture of dad on camera at McKay's. So that was one of the things we were a little angry about because we're thinking they're RCMP officers. Why didn't they ask if they had surveillance footage? And yes, mm -hmm. maybe the people at the blueberry stand should have mentioned it, but this this came to light like three days after the RCMP had been there to speak to them. So yeah, yeah, because what I was wondering and, and is is how it was determined or how they figured out that your dad had visited. But just by you giving the timeline, I'm guessing your dad was reported missing. By, um, th there was probably some local media coverage. There was, yeah, and then the, was someone at the blueberry stand said, "Like, whoa, I, you know, I saw him here a couple of days yeah. back." Yeah, that's how it went. I'm assuming either the RCMP post or our post all over social media. So wow, and and as you say, there they informed the RCMP. We think he was here, but when I guess. Uh, I, actually, I think I saw someone from the blueberry stand quote it or the blue. I call it the blueberry stand, but I guess it's like yeah. a storefront for a firm. But um, yeah, it's pretty much a stand, a little blueberry stand. <laughs> That's what I call it. But but what I've read uh, is that they weren't, as you said, they actively sought out your family. Like, listen, yes. like here's the yeah. video and, and those videos and photo of him parking his car and going in there and ordering like that's all on the internet now and like being shared around but it's it's yeah. kind of amazing that the store had the uh, like kind of the ambition or whatever to to contact your, your family and share that terrific and i think that's one of the biggest meltdowns i had with the rcmp because there was a lot of miscommunication because mm -hmm. from what we understood we were told that there had to be an absolute sighting of them either on camera or they would have to find his vehicle or something to get search and rescue in there. So I, that really set me off that day. Cause I'm thinking like if you needed to catch him on camera or something to get a search out there, like something concrete, well, why didn't you just ask him on the 20th? Like if they had any form of surveillance there. So that was really upsetting, mm. but I mean, I try to be the bigger person and, and kind of let that go and move forward from here. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess they're not perfect either. We're not. No one is. So yeah, but it's um initially when he, when you report, you know, a seventy six year old man uh, missing, like what was or what sense did you get um, from the RCMP uh, as to their react? Like, did it seem like it was something they were really taking seriously? Because I can only assume your family was freaking out, you know, the next day for for certain. Well, the biggest issue is, and I won't obviously not going to name specific officers, but there was an officer that had dealt with my father and my brother who was living there at the time because there was a little teeny bit of an altercation at their house one night. Okay. And anyway, it was just, in my opinion now, it was just a bunch of foolishness. But anyway, one of the RCMP officers that are currently working the case was at the house. 
and he listened to a lot of what my brother had to say regarding dad. So I think it was kind of made to seem like dad was right off his rocker or something. So this is the information that this officer had coming into this missing person case with him now. So he just couldn't seem to get off that that train of thought that dad was just Mm. not in his right mind that day and Mm. went up where his car was found and got lost. So that Mm. was very frustrating. Because when you know this is your father, you know him a little bit better than a person that's met him like once. So Mm. it was frustrating. Yeah, I understand. And the the video um, of of him in the the McKay's blueberry stand, it it certainly doesn't show any unusual or outstanding behavior. It's it's seeming it just looks like your typical little old man going in and buying a blueberry pie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. When you watched that the that video and saw the photos of him going in the in the store, did like did it stand out to you in any way, or did that just look like your typical dad? No, he did. I don't know. He just looked like dad was looking frail anyway. Because I mean, he was seventy six, and like I said, he just lost his wife. Like he just, I'm not gonna say he was all happy go lucky. Because I mean, I'd be lying. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was upsetting just to see him on there. Period. Because no, given what the situation was, and just mm-hmm. just oh, it's just awful it was not good and uh i i don't know the the area of new brunswick where these locations are i don't know well but i know that where the blueberry stand is is a community called penfield which i believe is just a short distance from where your where your dad was living just for for people who have never been to this part of the province tell us a little bit about like kind of this area what would it what would it be like if you were to visit mogwash penfield this is it's musquash musquash sorry (laughs) thank you (laughs) musquash is just like mosquito land it's like a it's a beautiful area but i mean it's it's wooded and that i mean it's a subdivision that he lived in but the penfield area where he went missing that's it's just it's vast there's a lot of woods there's lakes there's bodies of water it's just vast that's the only way to describe it yeah would it be like um kind of like a cottage country area where people would have summer homes or is it even just too oh. rural for that even oh no there's like there's camps all over there like it's just it's the woods <laughs> mm-hmm. and would would your dad other than you know being from a community next door sort of thing would he have any connection to penfield like I'm oh guessing yes it's... he's familiar well his he met my mother like down saint stephen way in that so i mean he's familiar with from saint john right through to callous like he's familiar with all those areas okay. mm-hmm. um so as as far as the actual events that's that surround your dad's last known whereabouts he he goes into the blueberry stand buys a blueberry pie he's from that point on initially he's he's not seen again and not only is he missing but initially his his car was missing as well but yeah. And I think that that went on for like a month or so. But initially, what like what was the idea that your family had as to as to what happened when him and the car were missing? Well, um, in the beginning of the investigation, it was a wild goose chase. There was false sightings coming in from everywhere. Like mm-hmm. the RCMP were just running, running, running. Like they were all false sightings. There, somebody even said they found a bumper down Penfield way that had part of his license plate, they think on it, that bumper was never found. Um, mm. We we drove around looking for it and stuff like we, we just didn't understand it. And we were just like, 
once we found out he was by McKay's, we just wanted like a, a helicopter or something out looking because we just we just didn't know, right? Yeah, and, it, and again, we're um, McKay's Blueberry Farm in Penfield is so rural. I'm sure there's a ton of you know uh, rural roads and dirt roads and gravel roads that go in all different directions. So was the kind of the theory or the idea that you had initially that maybe he got confused and drove off in the wrong direction or something? Was that something you were thinking? Do you know what? In in all honesty, I kept thinking like, I kept thinking it was August. That was the month my mom passed away. It was like August seventh. This was the was the eighteenth. And oh, that bothers him. So I don't know. I thought maybe he just had to get out of the house because memories. And I thought maybe he just needed, you know, to get away for the day. Like that's initially what I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought it was odd that he never answered his phone because that's normally not my father, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, his phone was discovered home, so okay. he didn't have it. Yeah, but things certainly change when his vehicle is found without without him in it. Uh, I, th- I think it was about a month and a half later, if, if my memory serves me, it was uh, late two September. Weeks, two weeks after, oh, September 1st, it was found. Yeah. Okay, so and where was it found in, in relation to like the blueberry farm in Penfield? It was found one cl- uh, approximately one kilometer down a dirt, a very rough dirt logging road, hidden, completely concealed in foliage and stuff. Like if you were on an ATV or something, chances are you wouldn't have seen it because it took the helicopter to spot it. Because it it was, I got to see a picture, the RCMP, like I got to see a picture before it was touched from an RCMP officer. You could not see that car. It was completely, completely hidden. And yeah. my dad babied his vehicles. My dad was proud of his vehicles. He looked after his vehicles. You could eat off his floors. Mm-hmm. So there's no way my dad would have driven that and ditched it up in those woods, up in the bushes. No. Mm-hmm. And when no. you say hidden, would you, would and based on the photo you saw, did it seem like hidden in terms of like, it was kind of driven off the road into a bush or did it seem like in like concealed, like intentionally? Oh no, it was concealed. No, no one would ever change my mind on that. It was hidden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. And, and anyone that knew my father, knows my father said Paul would never, never take his car up there. Never. So even if he was confused and made a wrong turn or something for some reason and ended up on this road, you would think he would just stop on the road if he were to get out or something. He wouldn't. There would be no reason to then hide the car in some way. No, and you got to take into consideration this is summertime, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say, okay, it's summertime. It's daylight till almost ten o'clock at night, okay? We walked that roadway back and forth to where his car was. Probably took us a hour and a half or so roughly so you could have walked out of there in daylight no time at all from the last time he was seen at the blueberry stand like no it, it was daylight late so yeah and then another aspect of this is as you said originally is the rcmp um if they had have had uh, surveillance proving he was in that area, that may have kind of uh, sped up their search in the beginning. So I can only imagine it was pretty frustrating that his vehicle yeah. is found so close to where he was last yeah. seen. And then you consider that the McKay's Blueberry Farm went as far as to reach out to them and say, you know, he was here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they spoke to a couple employees. This is before the video was brought to our attention. They did speak to a couple of employees there that confirmed that he was there. Mm-hmm. 
why they didn't mention anything about a surveillance camera then who knows but i mean i mm -hmm. appreciate everything they did to help us anyway but i mean the rcmp that's kind of their job to look into that kind of thing right mm -hmm. so yeah now let me ask you this is when um when your dad and the vehicle are missing there's still kind of the the initially there's still the possibility he just needed to get away or you know got lost or he's in some other town or something yeah. when the vehicle is and and i'm I can only imagine your family would have had, a, you know, a lot of hope at that point that he'd turn up. But when the vehicle is found without him, how did that change how you feel, how you felt? And oh, I knew, I knew right then. As soon as they said he's not in the car, uh, it's like something happened. Like I just knew it. I mean, I know my father. I'm 46 years old. I've been with my father all my life. I mean, I know him on a personal level, level that no RCMP officer can know. Mm -hmm. So I knew, I knew something wasn't right. When when they found his car, well, that was enough for search and rescue to finally get involved because without a starting point, they would not go out anywhere, which I do oh. understand now because, I mean, but then I, I mean, I was crazy. I was going crazy. It's my father. You, I don't know where he is, right? But mm. anyway, when search and rescue went in for, it wasn't quite three days i'm gonna say two and a half days they were in there but anyway they were planning to pull out and we were told that there is one dog here in new brunswick that has remains ability and this search and rescue person owned this dog well she was talking about getting the dog up in there in the future but she should have chose her wording better when we were in the command center because she basically said that the bear hunters were getting pissed off because they have traps and bait out and stuff and didn't want the dog, you know, out and about. And of course, I, I'm not gonna lie, I lost it. I said yeah. a few choice swear words, F the bear hunters, and I left the command post because I was mad I went and sat in my niece's car because mm -hmm. she should have chose her wording better. So we had to fight because she was mad at my family at this point. So we had to fight and fight and fight to try to get that dog back up where his car was. Finally, she was kind enough to bring the dog up briefly where mm -hmm. his car was, but it didn't hit on anything of interest. So, mm -hmm. and we went uh, up there searching and searching and searching and haven't found one trace of him up in those woods. Would there be... um? So nothing was found in the search. Was there, as far as like his vehicle and stuff, was there anything left behind that would indicate any possible reason he's, you know, had, is not there? There was a, there, not so much any clue as to why he wasn't there, but there were things found in his vehicle. And I mean, they did forensics on that vehicle, but take into consideration that vehicle sat in those woods with the window partially cracked for two weeks. And the mm. slightest thing we were told by RCMP, the slightest thing like moisture can affect like fingerprints, different things like that. Right. So, mm. I mean, there was empty bank envelopes found in his vehicle because he could mm. have had up to a thousand dollars on him that day. Okay. There was empty mm. bank envelopes found in there. Uh, mm. Somebody had written down a number to a guy because he went to the blueberry stand he was interested in an old truck that was sitting by the blueberry factory and he knows the guy that owns the blueberry factory so somebody had given him this guy's number because this guy that owns it was out working in the blueberry field so 
dad probably hung around there and whatever happened happened until this guy was done in the fields and he could talk to him about this truck right so whatever happened happened shortly after he was seen there I, I don't know if I expected this, but you yeah. say whatever happened, happened. And I didn't know that the vehicle, your dad's vehicle was thought to be like concealed. Um, yeah. Do you like what if you're comfortable saying like, are you pretty confident in the fact that something uh, happened to your dad that led to him yeah. disappearing? Absolutely. Um, I can't say too much at this point because there's things being looked into, but mm. some information came to light that is currently being investigated. And uh, I just got that feeling we're on the right track. Good. And we have uh, a new area of interest to search as well now because of this information. So as soon as the snow lets up and we're able to get in there, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll be searching that new area. Yeah. And that's a, a, another aspect of this is he, he disappeared end of August vehicle found in September, not long after that in, you know, rural New Brunswick, I'm sure it, it's the weather isn't inducive, conducive for walking around in the woods searching. So I'm assuming all, a lot of this was called off for the last several months as far as like yes. on the ground searching. Yeah. Well, search and rescue, like they were only bound to do like a one kilometer radius because they look at like at dad's health, his age. So mm -hmm. once they searched that one kilometer radius around, around where his car was found, Technically, they could just pull out if nothing was found. If they would have found something like a shoe, a hat, anything, they could have gone further. But sadly, that wasn't the case. So mm -hmm. we we've talked a, a bit already about the idea of him like possibly being confused or something. And and I think I only bring that up maybe because you know if if someone who's almost eighty years old, something unusual happens, you kind of your mind would lead towards like Alzheimer's and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. In terms of like your and I've seen you quoted as saying um, he had like mild confusion from time to time. Yeah. Can, can you kind of tell me like how that would kind of manifest itself? Like a, a period of time where you're like a dad is, you know, that you would describe your dad as being slightly confused. So like what would that be like for him? Well, it's just there was a couple times like he was having an issue with his hemoglobin levels a few times. Mm -hmm. And that's when this tended to happen. Mm hmm. And I mean, he would, there was a couple times that he really, you know, was getting paranoid and everything because of it. But uh, this didn't happen like continuously. And then okay. another time this happened, it was a issue with his medication that he was on because the dosage was wrong. I think mm -hmm. it was prednisone or something that he, he was on. So he had a bad spell back, but that was back quite a few years ago that that happened. Mm -hmm. But I mean generally he for the most part had his wits about him like i said he did have his moments when he you know get a little bit uh i don't know if you didn't call it paranoid about things but i mean he's getting yeah. old was getting kind of old and cranky yeah. Too <laughs> yeah no i think anyone who cares for like an elderly parent or if you're fortunate enough to have your grandparents still around what you're describing with like you know maybe the a new medicine or something made them you know a little strange that's very normal stuff but yeah. in paul your dad's case it's not like you were like dad's you know he's has alzheimer's or something like it's not like anything like that was going on no, and I mean, like I said, I'm not going to say his health was like, or mental health was like tip top, but I mean, you got to take into consideration like the man just lost his, the woman he was with for 55 years. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was pretty proud of him, all things considered, that he did as well as he did. I mean, no doubt he was, it was heartbreaking being at the house without her, but I mean, I, I 
give him kudos for the way he he survived mm. after she passed. So at this point now we're seven months. Seven months, yeah, a little over yeah. seven months. Yeah. Like, is there any hope left that your dad is going to be found alive? No, because if he, uh, if let's just say he ran into some trouble with someone up there or people, persons. He would have been an easy target. I mean, he's an old man. He's frail. I mean, he wasn't super good on his feet on a good day. So, I mean, he was just vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would have been the perfect target for any any shady person, mm -hmm. I guess. And then given like the colonoscopy bag or whatever it's called and any medication he's on, it's not yeah. like he could go off the grid for six months and just show up. Like, I've no. been out, out west working. My, yeah. Like, do, even with that ostomy bag that he had to wear, like, he wouldn't even go too far for too long because he was scared that would get working and stuff. He was self-conscious about okay. it, right? So he he was, that stopped him from doing a lot of things for any amount of time. So I knew it was not, he didn't just take off or, you know. Mm -hmm. And he had a few things he was looking forward to, too. I can't get into too much detail about that either, but he had some things that were looking up. So, I mean, he had things to look forward to that he wouldn't just go do something to himself or just no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't, you don't see that as a possibility that he chose to walk away from it all, so to speak. No. So for people who are, who are listening or, or, or watching this that are just now learning about your dad and his disappearance, is there anything that we, the average person could do to, you know, to support you or to, to help in any way? Well, you know, it's just, we are, always on social media making posts all the time i just put a reward poster out not too long ago um things like this great help i appreciate mm -hmm. it uh news the media we haven't touched a lot with the media we were on there once but i just like i said down the road if need be i would do it mm -hmm. again but it's not it really just makes me uncomfortable mm -hmm. last time my niece was there and kind of supported me through it so uh just share posts and i mean if somebody knows something have the courage to speak up i mean i know it's not easy and people get scared but i mean you know just put yourself in our shoes if it was your loved one you'd want to get to the bottom of what happened and find him i just want to lay him to rest with my mom that's my that's my goal is to find him and lay him to rest with her before i wrap up this episode i have two additional pieces of our conversation that i want to share as it often happens, when we finished our official talk, we continued talking, albeit slightly more casually. And while doing so, we ended up touching on what, to me, were some interesting points. Fortunately for all of us, I didn't turn off my recorder, so I'm going to be able to share these two clips. First, I want to share with you a brief discussion about what actually happened to the blueberry pie that Paul was last seen purchasing. I don't know if this would ever make its way to you, but he was last seen buying a blueberry pie when they found his car. Do you know if it was in the car, the pie? Yeah. The uh, yes. Um. He he bought a blueberry pie, but he also bought a personal size little treat. I don't know if it was some type. I think it was some type of a cake mm -hmm. that he bought. Anyway, when the RCMP originally took the car to their garage and it was in there for quite some time, then they released it to us. The pie was still in there, molded and. Oh disgusting and coffee cups were still in there with mold all over them um so i'm assuming forensics must have went to their garage to do all this testing because everything that i wanted looked at was in the car so i'm assuming they went there to dust or do whatever okay. they did oh. not that i'm confident that 
but yeah, anyway. The only reason I ask about the pie is I just thought, like, for whatever reason, he gets lost in his vehicle and he's hungry or something. He'd just eat the pie. He wouldn't get out and walk into the woods, hide his car and walk into the woods. Now, the last piece of audio I want to share with you is when Cheryl described to me the positive change that she and a small group of other families in similar situations have been working on squeezing out of their tragic circumstances. I know that there was an that getting his phone records was something that you or your family were making attempts to do. Well, I mean, I had a I had a online account for Dad's cell phone, so I could get on there and see. Num some of the numbers that he called or that called him, but there's like a lot of unknown name names and numbers from especially the day before because it was a pretty day the day before. But anyway, I was at RCMP to try to get these phone records and waited and waited and waited and then come to find out because, yeah, we had no missing person act here in New Brunswick that made it easier for them to get this private information. They couldn't get them. So myself and two other ladies with missing loved ones teamed up and we are fighting to get a missing person act passed here in new brunswick which is supposed to be brought to legislation in the fall so that's kind of a positive thing that'll hopefully come out of all yeah, this so in this missing persons legislation would be like something that would enable people in your position with a missing loved one to have more power to you know subpoena phone records bank records get facebook passwords like that's kind of the idea yeah, especially for the, it's more for the RCMP and like mm -hmm. the, the police, like they can go, they don't have to go through all this red tape to try to get all these warrants and this, that and the other thing. It just makes it easier and quicker for them to get access to Facebook, phone messages, what have you. So I suppose that's another way people could help support your family is if they contact their, you know, their MLA to... I express their support of, of, a, of a bill like this. Absolutely. Much appreciated. Yep. Absolutely. I want to thank you for joining Cheryl and I for our discussion surrounding the disappearance of her father, Paul Dowdy. For those listening who'd like to become more involved in this story and follow future updates, Cheryl invites you all to join the Bring Paul Dowdy Home Facebook group, where she shares updates and important news related to the search for her father. I've added a link to the group in the episode description. As well, if you have any information related to Paul's disappearance, please contact New Brunswick RCMP or Crime Stoppers. The family deserves to know what happened to Paul Dowdy. And with that, I'll wrap up this episode of Nighttime, but before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Cheryl for sharing her story with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. I'd also like to give a thanks to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode. It's a piece called Noir Tokyo. And lastly, but most importantly, I have a massive thanks to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it'll also give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed, as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, go premium at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers. Dallas, Kim, and Amanda, thank you for going premium. 
And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. Also, if anyone out there has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on the show, or provide a voice memo to be aired in a future episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. So hopefully I'll hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.